Well, good morning, everybody. That's what I thought you meant. So we do have a couple of announcements. I want to remind you that next week we will have Teen Challenge here. Now listen, I I mean this. I mean this sincerely. You got to get around the neighborhood, around the family, around the house, and you got to invite some people here because you are going to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ preached through testimony and song of some ladies that I will assure you are on fire for the Lord. Amen? Amen. This is really important. Uh, to uh, we, we should fill this place. Guys, there are 42 women from Teen Challenge that are going to be here next week. I mean, come on. Come on. I mean, this, these girls are going to be excited to share with you what the Lord is doing in their life. It is going to be so inspiring. So I hope that you can invite as many people as you run in contact with over the next week to come. And by the way, um, they are going to be here and they, they have some, um, what, what do they have? They have um, um, succulents. Succulents. That's the word I'm looking for. <laughs> succulents. It's kind of a deserty thing. They're going to have succulents. They're going to have a table out in front. And if you would like to support them, uh, support them by buying some succulents or just a, just a love offering of any kind, uh, be prepared to do that next week if you, if you would. Um, also, uh, another announcement is we, we will be having a memorial service for Doris Christensen that is going to be on August the 6th at 2 o'clock in the afternoon, and uh, we could certainly use some help. So if you would like to participate, if you're going to be here anyway, um, to celebrate Doris's life, and what a life well lived, amen? A life well lived. Um, if you would like to help, see Pastor Tyler uh, in the back. He, he, can, uh, he can plug you in. There's plenty to do um, when we have a memorial service, and it's, a, it's just a great way to serve. Amen? Uh, and, then, uh, and then lastly, uh, it is not too late. It is not too late. <laughs> if you're a believer and you have not been baptized, we will be having a baptism outside at this place on the 7th. That's... Two weeks from now? That's two weeks from now. So you can see, uh, again, you can see Pastor Tyler, you can see Richie, you can see any of the, any of the elders. Uh, if you would like to get baptized, which you would certainly like to get baptized. Amen? 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 amen. Boy, you guys are quiet today. Amen? amen? Okay, amen. So if you're a believer and you haven't been baptized, get baptized because it is not only a command, but it is a declaration of your faith in Christ and how excited you are to be a follower of Jesus. Amen? Amen. So we're going to do that on the 7th after church. We're going to have a baptism right out here. It's going to be great because it's going to be in the blow-up hot tub. I love those baptisms in the blow-up hot tub. And the water may or may not be warm. Ooh, just so you know. That's it. Richie? Thank you, Bill. A couple more announcements before we continue with worship. Um, A few weeks ago, I got an email from Pastor Ron Triggs over at Redemption Ojai, and he invited myself and Pastor Gavin from First Baptist uh, to participate in uh, what they call their Summer of Discipleship. It's coming this coming Wednesday. It's a panel sharing discussion, and the topic is going to be church unity. So if you'd like to join us, it's a wonderful opportunity uh, over at Redemption Ojai, uh, 6.30 p.m., And you guys are more than welcome to come and and hear Pastor Ron and myself and Pastor Gavin speak about church unity. And uh, finally, before we uh, continue in worship, I do want to share this because I'm aware, you know, that COVID is making the rounds again. 
And I just want to repeat what, you know, kind of has been our position for the last two years. Uh, and it's really a position of love and honor and respect. Amen? Right? We have, we have done our best as elders and as pastors to navigate the, the last two years. And, you know, it comes in waves. And, in fact, I know that there's some of you at home that would love to be here, uh, but you're in quarantine or you're in recovery right now. So good morning to all of you. And so I just want to repeat uh, kind of where we come from. Our heart is to love one another, respect one another. We know there's varying opinions out there in the culture and even within the church. Uh, if you want to wear a mask when you're here, wonderful, right? Uh, if you're not feeling well, we ask you to please stay home out of love and concern and respect for those around you. And uh, we're just going to continue navigating this together. But I, I really want it, uh, you know, every once in a while when the waves come through, it's important to just kind of keep us united around what's important, and what's important is loving God and loving each other. Amen? Amen. Hey, why don't we say thank you to the worship team again, right? If you're new or visiting, uh, you know, the Lord has really led us in a very unique way regarding our worship ministry here. Uh, traditionally, typically, a church will hire a worship leader and, you know, kind of be the point person, and uh, that's great, and that's wonderful. And, and here for this season... Uh, God has really blessed us with, with a plethora of uh, gifted musicians and singers. And so uh, we really kind of have now this diverse uh, worship ministry. Uh, and you never kind of know what you're going to get uh, from Sunday to Sunday. Sometimes it's like this. Sometimes it's hymns. Sometimes, you know, it's upbeat and, you know, really um, just moving. And, and I'm just blessed. And really what I'm blessed at when I, when I see uh, God moving that way is it's the body of Christ ministering to the body of Christ. Amen? Right? They're using their gifts, and because they're using their gifts, we all benefit. And that's the whole purpose. Ephesians 4 says the whole church grows and benefits as each part does its part. And so thank you, worship team. Thank you, Mark, and everyone that was up here. I really appreciate the hours that you put in even yesterday when we were here for rehearsal. Uh, just really a blessing this morning. And so uh, we're going to continue. Uh, if you're visiting, we have been, as Mark said, going through the book of Philippians. And it's really a letter from the Apostle Paul to the believers in a city called Philippi. And we came to this verse in Philippians 3.10. The first part in the New Living Translation says this. I want to know Christ and experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead. This is the Apostle Paul writing to the believers. I want to know Christ, experientially know, not just head knowledge know, but I want to experientially know in my life. I want to experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead, the resurrection power. And so we've been, you know, exploring what does that mean. And for the last several weeks, really it took us on this sort of a detour to a series on the Holy Spirit. Because Ephesians 3 tells us that this power that is available to us as believers is the Holy Spirit, okay? And one of the questions we had this morning is, so we've learned over the past several weeks that the Holy Spirit in us, indwelling us, the third person of the Trinity, God, the Holy Spirit, indwells us, so we have supernatural power available, but the question is, are you availing yourself of it? It might be available, and it is because the Bible says God has given us everything we need for life and godliness. The Holy Spirit comes in, seals us, indwells us, the moment of conversion. So the spiritual power is available, but this week, did you avail yourself of it? Did you avail yourself? And so we've been walking through this, 
And, and as I was thinking about this and preparing this week, uh, a couple lines from a quote that, that uh, I became uh, familiar with several years ago, I think even before I became a believer, this is back probably when I was in college, first time I read this, and just a couple of the lines of this quote says this, dance like nobody's watching, sing like nobody's listening. Think about that. Dance like nobody's watching, sing like nobody's listening. Okay, so just a quick survey. How many have ever danced at home? Because you knew nobody was watching. <laughs> For those of you, you know, right? You just let her rip, crank the music, and you're like, check, check the curtains, right, and everything. Okay, all good. How many of you have ever sang? Because nobody was home. The acoustics in the shower, right? They say, actually, that's a, that's a thing, right? And, and, and I'll be honest, you know, I spend a lot of time here preparing during the week, and sometimes up, I'm up here leading worship. Uh, gentlemen, I would just like to know if you ever feel like singing because no one's around, the acoustics in the men's bathroom right next to my office, <laughs> that reverb, you know, there's times I'm in there, <laughs> and I don't know if Diana, you know, Diana might be in here doing what she does weekly and getting the worship center ready, but sometimes I'm in there and I'm getting ready for, you know, it's Wednesday, Thursday, and I'm like here by myself studying again, and, and you know, I figure, yeah, as the deer sounds really good <laughs> in there, you know. I do it too. You sing like nobody's singing, right? Dance like nobody's watching, right? And, and I love that because if you think about that in your own life, that, that phrase, dance like nobody's watching, sing like nobody's listening, that's at the same time exhilarating and terrifying, right? You're like, yes, yes, yes. And then you're like, no, no, no. Right? Can I do that? What if? What if? And, and, and that may come from a lot of different uh, reasons in your life. Maybe, maybe at one point as a kid, you were that rambunctious one, and you just kind of, and you were out there doing your thing, and somehow or another, life happened, somebody said something, a parent, a teacher, whatever, and they just shut you down. We don't do that. Why are you doing that? Now you're making a scene. Now you're making me look bad. Right? And, and you kind of went, Whoo, right? And, and I think things like that may happen in our life. And we just sort of close down and we kind of put ourselves in a box and we just play it safe. Because when we're safe, we're not vulnerable to hurt as much. We're very self-protective. And so then along comes this dance like nobody's watching. And you're like, hmm, hmm. How many of you, you know, growing up, you went to school dances? Anyone? Right? And all the, you got to get over, right? Some of, it's like, some of you are like just out there. I don't care what anyone thinks. And others are like, well, I don't know. You know, I don't want to look foolish out there. Right? Or singing. Singing. Right? How many of you genuinely love to sing? How many of you are terrified what the person next to you thinks about you singing? <laughs> right? Even in worship, it happens here. Now, this morning, you kind of blew the roof off, you know, but sing like nobody's listening. So worship, we're supposed to be singing to God, right? Expressing ourselves to God. And yet, right? we, we get so consumed with the fear of man 
that we lose sight of the audience of one, right? This, this desire in our life to be free and at the same exact moment terrified to break the box that either the world put on us or we put on us because that keeps me safe and successful and I just know how to do this. Stepping out of it, uncharted territory. Uncharted territory, what do we do? And I share that because, you know, as we talk about wanting to know the power of Christ, experiencing the Holy Spirit in my life, you're gonna be confronted with dancing like nobody's watching and singing like nobody. You're gonna be confronted with getting out of even the church box and letting the Holy Spirit have free reign. And you know why that might be difficult? Because there's peer pressure right here, right now, being exerted. If you think peer pressure is only for middle school and high school, it's happening right here. It's all the adults. never goes away. And I've been in ministry for 30 years, and I've seen it. And I've seen the challenge when somebody, God gets a hold of someone, and the Holy Spirit starts to move, and they're they're just, oh, I got to do this, and I want to do this. And, And you know why they don't? Because they're afraid of what you will think of them. Because you come in here, and if you come in here regularly, you've adopted sort of maybe a view of yourself and how you act and what's appropriate for you, and then others might do the same. She always sits there. She never raises her hand, right? She sings once in a while, right? But what if the Holy Spirit got a hold of Betty? And Betty changed seats. And, and the Holy Spirit gets a hold of Kathy, and Kathy goes, ah, and everyone's like, you laugh, but I know some of you. Might have happened in How Great Thou Art. I know, Lord, I want to go. I'll stand with arms high and heart abandoned. No, not today, you know. Why, where's that coming from? Why can't we just dance like nobody's watching? Why can't we just sing like nobody's listening? Why can't we just worship to the audience of one and lose sight of the fear of man and the critical voices and the condemning, shaming, embarrassing voices that put us in the box and said, just sit there and do this. This is how we do church, right? We come and we sit in rows like school and you're very silent because I'm the professor, right? And, and we, we do that and we're very, you know, God is a God of order, so we must be very orderly. The problem with that is we can orderly the Holy Spirit out of here. And we can stifle, we can quench the Holy Spirit, which is what we're going to be talking about, because it's what we know and it's what we're comfortable with. Now, I'm not talking, you know, and I understand that because in the body of Christ, you know, there is wide diversity when it comes to the Holy Spirit. And some of you may come from more charismatic Uh, traditions and some of you some very liturgical conservative traditions okay and i'm not saying one's better than the other but what i am saying is that if we're not careful we can on this end put the holy spirit in a box right and this is what we tell the holy spirit he's allowed to do and over here there is no box there's no nothing and 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 you know that kind of can be a little bit challenging as well so somewhere in the middle here at the well what we want to do is have order because god is a god of order but not stifle the holy spirit amen now 
What does that mean? That means at times it's risky. That means at times it's messy. Church is messy. As much as we come on Sundays and we're all cleaned up and we all look nice and everything like that, how many of you would admit at times your life is messy? Okay. So if all of us who had your hand up at times is messy, what do you do when we all get together and life is messy? Church is still messy. It's just a bunch of messy people getting together, but we're hidden, we're, but we make it look really good. How are you? Fine. How was your week? Good. And it could have been a train wreck. And so because the church is made up of the redeemed, but people in process, okay, the church is messy. So it's not just the, the world being messy, it's when we let the Holy Spirit begin to move and upset things. It can make us a little bit uncomfortable, right? On one hand, let me be very honest with you, on one hand, it would be very nice. It would be cleaner, and my life would be much better as a lead pastor to have a worship pastor. One person that I would just go to, they would run the show. My life would be so much easier. When Mark sends out an email to eight people and says, hey, who's available? Here's the set. I'm like, Lord, we've never had that group of email people on the list before. You got to do this. Messy, Messy, right? (laughs) And they hear it, and they all show up yesterday, and they're all like, we have never, ever had. this, this, This was the debut of this particular group. It may have just been the one-hit wonder because they may, never, they may never be here again in this exact configuration. But how many of you praise God that the Spirit moved and put them together, right? Okay, so I have to choose as, as a lead pastor either to be hyper-controlling and hire a worship pastor and make it clean and comfortable and very directive. This is how we do it at the well. This is what I like. Thank you very much for a song. Da, 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 da. And it could be dialed in. I've worked at mega churches, very corporate-run churches. That's how we did it. Very clean, down to the minute, boom. Eliminate as much messiness as possible. Here, it's a walk of faith for me. It really is. And that's fine. Because I get so much joy seeing who was up here, up here. Giving them the freedom to use your gifts and talents in a way that honors God. Amen? Okay, so... We're going to keep looking through this. You know, today we're going, to, we're going to continue our series on the Holy Spirit. And if you haven't been here, I just want to give you uh, four words, kind of a broad picture of, of where we've been. So it kind of layers, because it layers and it has to make sense for today's message. So the four words are commit, submit, admit, and the last one is just I took license. It's do it. Okay, not really a word, but yeah, I needed something with it. Okay, so commit, submit, admit. Do it, okay? So what is commit? Key word is faith. At the moment of conversion, when you put your faith in Christ, the Holy Spirit comes to indwell you, amen? Indwelling, faith. We also walk by faith, okay? So you're saved by faith. We walk by faith. In the Holy Spirit series, that was indwelling. At the moment of faith, you are indwelt, temple of the Holy Spirit. Again, I tell you, don't take that lightly. As you sit here, if you are a believer the third person of the Trinity, God the Holy Spirit indwells you. You are sealed. He's given to you as a guarantee. Amen? He's available, but are you availing yourself? Okay? And then we got submit. Okay? 
The verse for that was Ephesians 5.18. Do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. So submit is filling, and the key word for that is submission. The word filling is control. So it's really be ye being controlled by the Holy Spirit. And we talked about the challenge in our culture with surrender and submission of control. Okay, so you can go back and look at that message. Admit, Galatians 5.16. But I say walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Right? You can put admit back up. Key word there was walking. Dependent lifestyle. It's when you wake up in the morning and you say, Lord, I can't do this. I need you. I am dependent on you for the totality of my life. Again, why is this challenging? Because in our culture, especially in the United States, we are raised to be independent, self-reliant, self-sufficient, and dependence is seen as weakness. Okay? But if we are going to obey the command in Galatians 5.16 to walk by the Spirit, you have to walk in dependence. Right? We talked about that. And then, do it. Galatians 5.25. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Right? That's the word stepping, right? Do it is stepping, which is a dependent obedience. Moment by moment. So walking is this dependent lifestyle. That's my walk. Now I have to take steps. One day at a time. One second at a time. Independent obedience. Moment by moment. Right? Where it says keep in step with the Spirit, it's kind of like uh, military formation, marching band, right? You're keeping in step. Keeping in step. I thought of this, you know, years and years ago. I had an issue with one of my cars, and uh, it was skipping one of the gears. And I'm like, you know what? Good old YouTube. So I went to YouTube, put in the car model, and like, lo and behold, other people had the same issue. So this mechanic, you know, seemed pretty legit. He says, here's how you fix this. You need, this is the parts you need. These are the tools you need. And I was not smart enough to know I shouldn't do transmission work in my driveway. I'm like, I watched it a few times. I'm like, okay, right? Go get the parts and the tools and put my phone right there and just followed him step by step, hitting pause every time I needed, you know, and got way down into the transmission. And then I put it all back together and drove it around the neighborhood, and, and lo and behold, right, it worked. And, and then I told a mechanic friend, he goes, of, of what I did, he said, you did what? We don't even do that here. I'm like, I don't know, I just followed YouTube steps, right? And, and so in some ways, it's kind of like that with the Spirit. If, you're, if you want to know what to do in your life, keep in step with the Spirit. And sometimes he'll tell you to do something, and you have to pause, and rewind it. What, what did he say? And you're stuck at that step. There are a couple of times I was changing that transmission part out. Yeah, there was. It, isn't it weird how they make it look so easy? You just do this, and it, the part just comes right out. And I'm like, the part's not coming out. I think I'm stripping the bolt. You know, and I'm like, man, that guy. Now I forget he's a professional, and this is what he does for a living, and right. And I'm just a DIY guy who, you know. But I was trying to keep in step, okay? And, and again, why is that challenging? We talked about it last week when we talked about Jesus meeting the Apostle Paul, and the Apostle Paul, you know, uh, has this conversation with Jesus on the road to Damascus, and Jesus says to him, hey, Paul, it's, 
it's really hard to kick against the goads. Remember the goads? The goads was a long spear-looking thing, and there was an ox on a yoke, and they want to go this way, and the farmer would goad the ox the way he wanted him to go, and the ox sometimes was stubborn and rebellious and would want to come, no, I don't want to go that way. And sometimes the ox would get very angry and would kick against the goad. Who loses in that battle? The ox. It's more self-inflicted pain by kicking against the goads. And we talked about the challenge with keeping in step with the spirit because like that ox, I would admit, and is anyone here who would admit that at times you are stubborn and rebellious? Anyone? Anyone? And, and you like to do your own thing. And, and, and the spirit's going, this says, go this way, and you're like, why? I don't want to. Any parents ever, why and I don't want to? Right? Now you wish you had a goad. <laughs> and it's like, we're like that. And we get, you know, keep in step with the spirit. If we would just keep in step with the spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kind, right? The fruit of the spirit. Rather than what I showed you, this is, this is me oftentimes when I'm kicking against the goad. That's my attitude right there. I, I get the tood. I'm like, I don't want to do that, Lord. Might be forgiveness. I don't want to forgive. I don't, want, I don't want to obey that particular verse. I don't like that, right? And, and if we're not careful, we can kick goats. And it's hard because I self-inflict pain on me, right? And, and we talked about that. And, 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 and it's interesting because as we move forward now, so we got, uh, right, commit, submit, admit, and we're going to walk in the spirit there's a consequence of kicking against the goats, okay? It's not just the attitude that you might develop, but it's also that you might be quenching the Holy Spirit. 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 to 22. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Do not quench the Spirit. Do not despise prophecies, but test everything. Hold fast what is good, Abstain from every form of evil. In the ESV, it says, do not quench the spirit. In the Amplified, it says this, do not quench, and then they give you helps, which means subdue or be unresponsive to the working and guidance of the Holy Spirit. And then the New Living, 1 Thessalonians says this, do not stifle the Holy Spirit. So some of us today here or at home or whenever you listen to this, you might be kind of struggling and feeling like you're spinning your wheels and you're kind of, oh, right now in your spiritual walk because the Holy Spirit's being stifled, quenched, right? Now, literally, that word quench means to extinguish as one does to a light or a fire. But here it's figurative. It means to dampen, stifle, hinder, repress, right? Prevent the Spirit from exerting his, his effect or performing his work in my life. Okay, Woodrow Kroll says this, when we fail to yield ourselves completely to him, we quench the Holy Spirit. Now, do you know what it means to quench the Spirit of God? It doesn't mean that we extinguish him as you would quench or extinguish a fire. It means that we stifle him. We stifle his influence in our lives. Okay, it's very important. We can't put out the Holy Spirit because he's God. And he indwells us and he seals us. Okay, that's permanent. But we can stifle him. We can stifle him. And again, maybe 
This is an aha moment for some. Maybe the Spirit's power, influence in your life has just been stifled lately or for many years. Okay? And this goes back to indwelling, filling, walking, stepping. If we're out of kilter in those, then really what's going on is it's an issue of my will versus God's will. That's what's going on relationally. Okay? So filling, walking, stepping really has to do with submission of my will. Yielding. Yielding. Right? John Wolvert says this. It may be concluded that quenching the Holy Spirit is to suppress, stifle, or otherwise obstruct the ministry of the Spirit to the individual. In a word, it is saying no and replacing the will of the Spirit with the will of the individual. This, in brief, is the whole issue of morality, whether man will accomplish what he wants to do or whether his life is surrendered and yielded to the will of God. I've shared with this with you before. A lot of people view Christianity as simply good morality. They emphasize morals and external behavior. When, I, when I've tried, even through this series, tried to repeat and, and really reiterate to you, the, the, the Christian life is a supernatural new life, Amen. It's an inside-out transformation. You are born again. The Holy Spirit indwells you. You are regenerated to walk in newness of life. Amen? That is so different than good morality, doing my best effort in my best, you know. Mm. That's what we've been talking about is, is really letting the Spirit be the Spirit. Okay? J. Vernon McGee says this. To quench the Spirit means that you refuse to do the will of God. That is, you're not listening to the Holy Spirit. You refuse to let the Holy Spirit be your guide to lead you. You and I quench the Holy Spirit when we take matters into our own hands. How many of us, and I'll be the first to admit, when something comes up in my life, how many of us tend to take matters into our own hands first? Right? It's just... So you get the email, you get the text, you get the phone call, right? And right away, I go into damage control, fix-it mode, right? And oftentimes, it takes quite a while for me to even get to the point of, oh, maybe I should have prayed about this. Anyone? Or, moment of transparency, I'll get angry at my beloved wife because she'll see me in fix-it mode. And what does she ask me? Did you pray about it? I'm like, I'm a pastor, Right? It's like a double whammy when someone asks, she asks me, did you pray about it? It's like, I'm doubly offended. <laughs> when the truth is, I didn't. I didn't. Because I can fix this. I can deal with this. Pray about it. Pray about it. You pray for me about it, you know? And actually what's funny is she'll see me spin and she, after 30 years of wonderful marriage, <laughs> she'll watch me spin and try to fix things. And now she simply says, I was praying for you. <laughs> I was praying for you. And now I say, thank you. <laughs> right? We, we just, we're just, oh, take it. Right? Why, why can't we just do this first? Why can't we just, in the moment of the crisis, in the moment of the, emission, the initial emotion, why can't we just go, let's pray? Why can't we just, just call timeout, 
full stop on life on the ship, right? Shh, shh, let's pray. How much different would things be if we sought the power of the Holy Spirit and desired to keep in step? Amen? Right? That's what we're talking about. So 1 Thessalonians 5.19, do not quench the Holy Spirit. Now, it's interesting because the way that this is the grammar, if you looked at the Greek grammar, it can suggest an overall command, or it, it can imply that the recipients are to stop doing something they've already begun. And that's very interesting, right? Because I thought, well, maybe in my life or maybe someone here at home, maybe you've begun quenching the Spirit. And today the Lord's like, stop. Stop stifling. Stop suppressing. Stop repressing what the Holy Spirit wants to do in your life, in your marriage, in your kids, in your parenting, in your job. Stop. Stop what's already begun, okay? Maybe that's, that's the message. That's the message, right? And, and so it has to do with our relationship. Like I talked, fun, one of the foundations to not quenching is filling, walking, keeping in step. Okay, Lord, how am I doing there? But then it's interesting in verse 20 and 21, there's also a specific way that we can uh, quench the spirit. It says this, do not quench the spirit, do not despise prophecies, but test everything, hold fast to what is good. In verse 20 it says, do not despise prophecies. Now to despise is to treat something as if it had no value, to disregard, set aside, just kind of ignore it. Yeah, yeah, despise it. Yeah, yeah, I don't need that. Right Now, what's interesting, prophecy, the literal meaning, is speaking forth. This is not Nostradamus. Okay? When it says prophecies here, it's not talking about fortune-telling. It's not talking about predicting future events at all. That's not what this means. The literal meaning is speaking forth. Okay? Ray Stedman defines it really good. He says this. In those early days, before the New Testament was written, this was done orally. Okay? Then the Holy Spirit comes. We get the Bible, right? Prophets spoke the mind of the Spirit in an assembly. But since the writing of the Scriptures, we have very little need for any kind of prophesying other than that based upon the Scriptures. So prophesying really becomes what we call today expository preaching and teaching. It is what I am doing right now. It is opening the mind of God from the Word of God. Do not despise that, says the Apostle. That is the wisdom of God. That is telling you how to act, how to think, and how to order your life. Do not treat it lightly. It will save you countless headaches and heartaches if you observe it. So the gift of prophecy is really teaching, teaching the word of God, speaking forth the word of God in the power of the Holy Spirit. And it says in verse 20, don't despise that. Again, if you're coming to church just to hear something, hear someone speak about the word of God without taking the necessary step of application, the Bible says you've been deceived or you're fooling yourself. In fact, James 1.22, but don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says. Otherwise, you're only fooling yourself, right? Very, very important that we don't come to church or listen to podcasts or whatever you listen to simply for information gathering, more data. That's not why the Bible was given. You've heard me say before, the Bible was not given for information. It was given for transformation. Now, if you understand that, that means what you hear, you're supposed to do something about it. The Holy Spirit's going to speak to your heart in your own application to your own unique circumstance, and you need to what? Do it. Don't despise what the Holy Spirit is saying to you right now. Don't ignore it. Don't devalue it. 
What you should do, you know, I've shared this before, Pastor Miles, pastor of the Rock Church in San Diego, huge mega church, I don't know what, 10, 12,000 people. I used to know Miles. I worked with Miles before he was Miles, you know, when he was youth pastor Miles. And even then, he used to say to the kids, and then when he got his own church, he says this to his congregation all the time. When you come to church, bring a pen or a pencil and something to write on. And when the, when the word of God is being spoken and you're at church, be prepared and ask God to speak to you through his word. And write it down and do it. That's what he has said for the last 30 years since I've known him. Come to church expecting God to speak to you through his word, through the Holy Spirit. Amen? Now, if God speaks to you through his word, shouldn't you do it? Because God is good. And all the time. So if he speaks to you, isn't it good? Even if you don't necessarily find it comfortable? Or are you in the flesh and want to? But it's good, right? It would change. I'm telling you right now, you want to change your relationship with God? You want to change your relationship with church? Come expecting to hear something from God through his word and then go do it. Before the day is done, take action. And then you want to see what will happen in your relationship with the Holy Spirit because suddenly you'll be like, there is no way I can do this. And it's like, that's right. You need me, the Holy Spirit. And suddenly you're going to leave here energized and invigorated to go obey in the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen? Suddenly you're life, spiritual life, right? Rather than, oh, yeah, that was a good message. Yeah, that was a really good song. Yeah, yeah, those donuts and coffee, woo, those are really good, you know? And, and suddenly we just train ourselves. Here's the, here's the challenging part. Again, I've done this for 30 years. The challenging part, and I've been in your seats as well, I've, I've, you know, I've been in it's church as an attender. If we don't hear and do, we simply train ourselves to hear and ignore Hear and ignore. Now, mom and dad, your kids at home, how many times have you said something to them with the expectation of obedience? (laughs) Hence? Now, it's interesting because how many of you, after expressing a request and seeing it completely ignored, would simply go up to them and say, excuse me, did you hear what I said? Anyone? Yeah. Now, what you, what, when you said, did you hear what I said, what you, were, what you meant by hear was hear and do. In the Bible, the word hear and do are inseparable. So when you say, and see, as a parent, you're like, I didn't know I was speaking Old Testament, right? Like, when you say, did you hear me, what you're saying, the implication was, did you hear me, which means you were supposed to do what you heard, right? Yeah, that's kind of us now. We're the kids. We go to church. You write it down. You highlight something. And Father says, did you hear me? Oh, wait, Father, I've got to finish my game, you know? We do the same thing to Father when we come And he speaks to us, and then he later asks, did you hear what I said? Right? And how many of you are parents? Your goal is not to ruin your kid's life. Anyone? You say, look, I'm not the cosmic killjoy. I just, I want what's best for you. How many say, parents, how many want what's best for your kid? And cleaning their room is best for them. 
right? I'm not here to ruin your life. I just, I'm here to help you, shepherd you, guide you, teach you, lead you, right? So when I ask you to do something, the impl- well, do it, thank you, okay? We gotta do it from the back, okay? So just, just I mean, maybe that's helpful for you at home, but also helpful for you as a child of God that when we hear doing is, those two are linked. You cannot separate those two biblically. Hearing and doing are one in the Bible, okay? So don't despise it. David Jeremiah says this, do you know what it means to quench the Holy Spirit? What do you do when you quench your thirst? You drink some water and the thirst is put away. When you quench a fire, you put it out. You smother it. How do you quench the Spirit of God? You quench the, Spirit of the, you quench the Holy Spirit by not doing something he tells you to do. When you walk in the Spirit and are filled with the Spirit, you don't want to quench him. When he tells you to do something, you do it. It's very important. You want to do it, right? Remember Philippians 2, 12, and 13. God works in you both to will and to do. Amen? You want to do it. Okay? It's not like some weird, it shouldn't be some weird tug of war. See, if you're yielded, if you're walking in the Spirit, filled with the Spirit, keeping in step with the Spirit, here's the crazy thing. You're going to want to obey. At the, at the foundational level, there should be a desire. Okay? And so, the question for us is, is there something this morning that you know God, through his word, has been speaking to you about? And maybe you've been kicking against the goads. Maybe you've been stifling the spirit because you've not obeyed. You've just ignored. You've just ignored him, Okay? And the consequence, hopefully now you're connecting the dots, the consequence of that ignoring is quenching and stifling, which means it affects your whole life. Your whole spiritual life is not what it could be or should be because it's being stifled by some area of disobedience, okay? It's also interesting that not only can, can the Holy Spirit be stifled or, or quenched by our disobedience, ignoring the word, there's also this element where where the Holy Spirit, there's imagery of the Holy Spirit as fire, right? In the New Testament, in Matthew 3.11 and Acts 2, the Holy Spirit, you know, there's imagery of the Holy Spirit as fire, right? And, and it's interesting because David Guzik says this, we can quench the fire of the Spirit by our doubt, our indifference, our rejection of him, or by the distraction of others. When people start to draw attention to themselves, it is a sure quench to the Spirit. This command is based on the familiar image of the Holy Spirit as a fire or a flame. Though there is a sense in which fire cannot be created, we can provide the environment in which it can burn brightly. Yet a flame can be extinguished when it is ignored and no longer tended, or when the flame is overwhelmed by something else. How many of you growing up, you ever had a bonfire or a barbecue at your house? How many of you love to tend the fire, right, or just mostly just play, right, try to get all the embers going, right, right? But you understand the idea of tending it, tending it, tending the flame, Right? So it doesn't what? Go out. Right? It's interesting. In 2 Timothy, the Apostle Paul says this to Timothy. This is why I remind you to fan into flames the spiritual gift God gave you when I laid my hands on you. For God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power, love, and self-discipline. Fan into flame. Right? We know biblically, we've said it before, God gives everyone here a spiritual gift. Right? But in relation to the Holy Spirit, does, does your relationship with the Holy Spirit, doesn't it be fanned into flame? Right? Is it, is it just one little ember left? Right? 
It's not out because, you know, the Holy Spirit's in you. But maybe, maybe over time, you've just kind of let, let it go. You stop tending the flame. And maybe the message for some of you here is, hey, fan into flame. Fan it. Right? <laughs> you know, right? Right? You're the expert, right? Fan it into flame. Right? It means kindle afresh. Keep in full flame. Stir up the fire. Right? Add fresh fuel. It's, it's continuous. How many of us had kind of slide over time, right? General Booth, the founder of Salvation Army, says this. The tendency of fire is to go out. Watch the fire of the altar of your heart. The tendency, if we just let it go, it's just going to dissipate. Right? Sometimes in church, we become so routine. It becomes so habitual that we're not even tending the fire. We're not fanning the flame anymore. Because we know how to do it. We know how to do Sunday service. We know how to pray. We know how to sing. But it's not with any desire to fan the flame. And over time, it just... Right? Right? And I love that when General Booth says, the the, the flame on the altar of the heart, because there's an image from Leviticus where instruction is given to the priests about the altar of, of burnt offering. It says this in Leviticus 6. Meanwhile, the fire on the altar must be kept burning. It must never go out. Each morning, the priest will add fresh wood to the fire and arrange the burnt offering on it. He will then burn the fat of the peace offerings on it. Remember, the fire must be kept burning on the altar at all times. It must never go out. Amen? Right? A little picture of the altar right there. And in 1 Peter 2.9, it says, You are a chosen race, a royal priesthood. So what if today the message for you is maybe not so much disobedience, but maybe it's, hey, fan the flame. Fan the flame every day. Tend it. What's the condition of it when you wake up? What do you got to do to fan that flame? What's going on? All right? And, and, and it's so interesting. You know, some of you are familiar with the fire triangle. You learned this maybe in Boy Scouts, Girl Scouts growing up, right? The simple model for understanding what goes into fire, right? Oxygen, heat, and some sort of fuel, right? Right? But I learned, and it's just, again, something you learn as a senior pastor. You're studying, right? You learn things you never thought you learned. There's something called a fire tetrahedron. Anyone know about the fire tetrahedron? or the fire diamond, or the fire pyramid. I didn't know. I just know the smoky bear triangle, right? Well, the fire tetrahedron is this, right? It adds an additional component of the chemical chain reaction once the fire has started and allows it to continue until or unless at least one of the elements of the fire is blocked, right? So you have the elements, you light it, and now there's an, a chemical reaction that needs to be tended. I love that word picture because that's the Holy Spirit's flame, amen? Amen. And what we need to do to keep that chemical spiritual chain reaction going is the elements around it. The elements around it. You're like, well, what are those elements? Uh, the word of God. Memorizing, meditating, studying, right? Prayer. There's another log on the fire. How about fellowship? Coming to church, being in small groups. There's another log on the fire. How about service? Using your gifts and talents. There's another log on the fire. Amen? You see, now it makes sense. Because I get it. Sometimes you get, you get in church and like, oh, the pastor says we're supposed to read the Bible. Okay. 
oh, the pastor says we're supposed to pray, okay. No, I'm hoping now you realize when you get up and you pray and you read and you serve and you get committed to a small group, you're tending the flame, amen? You're fanning the flame, right? That's why when you're connected to some men and you're going through something and you share what's going on in your life with other men and they come alongside you and cry with you and pray with you and encourage you or get in your face, you know what they're doing? Fanning your flame. Fanning your flame. Or you, you're not at church anymore and you don't want to go to church anymore and someone comes knocking or they call or they text, say, hey, what's going on? Where you been? Maybe it's because your embers, you know, not been tended. So someone comes alongside you to pray with you, to read scripture with you, to visit with you, to fan your flame. Amen? That's why we do what we do here. It's not just checklist stuff. It's not just good intention stuff that you should do. I'm hoping now you'll be excited to read your Bible. I'm hoping now you'll be excited to pray and fellowship and serve because it's fanning the flame. Amen? It's fanning your flame. Your flame. That's what gets me excited. That's what gets me excited. After all, you know, all the challenges that come with this position and everything, you know what really excites me? It's to see someone on fire for Jesus. To see life transformation. Literal transformation. Some people up here singing today who never thought they would have, ever. That lights my fire, right? Relationships healed. Real life change made. Because someone is keeping in step with the spirit, keeping the, tending the fire. That's what we do as elders here, elders and shepherds. We just want to come alongside you and help fan the flame. Tend your fire. It's your flame. You're responsible for it. We're just here to shepherd you through that. Okay, so, so three things that we can do, real practical. One, your own relationship with the Holy Spirit. Are you indwelt, first of all, are you saved? You've got to be saved. Are you filled? Are you submitting? Are you walking, which means are you dependent? And are you keeping in step, which means are you obeying? Okay, that's the Holy Spirit side. Second thing, are you tending your flame? Are you fanning into flame? Are you, are you tending it like the altar of burnt offering? You're the, you're the royal priesthood. Are you just keeping your flame going? What do you need to do? What change needs to be made? You need to get committed to a small group? Get committed. Join one. You need to serve? Get serving. Right? You need to come back to church? Come back to church. Do whatever needs to be done to fan your flame. Amen? And the third thing that, we, that I'll just mention here that came to my mind this morning as I was preparing is you're going to have to have a lot of courage. You're going to have to overcome fear. Right? Because when you fan the flame and you let the Spirit be the Spirit, you're going to have to have courage because it's going to take you into new uncharted territory. Good territory, but new. How many of you are a little bit scared of being uncomfortable? How many are a little bit scared of the unknown? Right? How many are a little bit scared of moving to a new seat? <laughs> Thank you for your honesty, right? Even that, even that, because we're people of routine and we want security and we want it to, and, and, and I'm just going to tell you, you're going to have to overcome fear. Fear of being uncomfortable, fear of the unknown, fear of releasing control, but God is good. Okay, remember that, right? And here's the other thing. 
In Acts 2.13, when the Holy Spirit comes down on the believers and they have this miraculous, right? They, they start speaking in, in all these languages, right? You know what happened? We go, woo-hoo! Awesome movement of the Holy Spirit! Woo! You know what the uh, unbelievers did in Acts 2.13? They mocked and ridiculed them. They said they're drunk. So you're going to have to have courage to overcome ridicule, criticism, naysayers, even in the church, who will say, oh, so you're lifting your hands now. Hmm. Got all spiritual, did you? Even in the church, you're going to have to have courage to get out of your comfort zone, even over yourself, and let the Spirit have his way. Amen? And just remember, you know, uh, I love that there's, uh, you know, Carson Wentz, NFL football player, very uh, strong believer. He has a uh, uh, nonprofit organization called Audience of One. We live for an audience of one. Okay? And maybe that will help you. Rather than being so fearful of what someone's going to think about you, so fearful of hearing the critical, naysaying, shameful, guilt-tripping, whatever voice comes into your head, live for an audience of one, empowered by the same one, the Holy Spirit. Amen? And here's the thing. We're here to support that. And if you're like, I don't know what to do, but I'm just feeling like, come talk to us. We'll pray with you. We'll get you going. That's why around here, I'll tell you this. Even around here, I've, I've said this before. If you're new, this is what we do around here. We want you to allow the Holy Spirit to reveal things to you and for you to walk move. So if you think it's a certain ministry, we'll give it a shot. But if it's not that, then we're going to together find where you need to be. Amen? We're not afraid to take risks around here. We don't have it all together. I don't know what the Holy Spirit is going to do in your life, Dale. I'm going to pray for you and I'm going to support you and encourage you. But when he gets a hold of you, I'm not going to get in his way. Amen? My job isn't to like run your life. My job is to help you love Jesus more so he can do what only he can do in and through your life. Most of the time, we just got to stay out of the way. I just try not to get in the way, okay? But I warn you, it's messy. Now, I'm not going to have all the answers, and we're not going to have all the answers. We're going to do this together. But if we are in the Spirit, right, if we're filled and we're walking and we're keeping in step and we're fanning the flame, God's going to work it all out. God will work it all out for his glory. Amen? Well, good morning, everybody. That's what I thought you meant. So we do have a couple of announcements. I want to remind you that next week we will have Teen Challenge here. Now listen, I I mean this. I mean this sincerely. You got to get around the neighborhood, around the family, around the house, and you got to invite some people here because you are going to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ preached through testimony and song of some ladies that I will assure you are on fire for the Lord. Amen? Amen. This is really important. Uh, to uh, we, we should fill this place. Guys, there are 42 women from Teen Challenge that are going to be here next week. I mean, come on. 
come on. I mean, this, these girls are going to be excited to share with you what the Lord is doing in their life. It is going to be so inspiring. So I hope that you can invite as many people as you run in contact with over the next week to come. And by the way, um, they are going to be here and they, they have some, um, what, what do they have? They have um, um, succulents. Succulents. That's the word I'm looking for. <laughs> succulents. It's kind of a deserty thing. They're going to have succulents. They're going to have a table out in front. And if you would like to support them, uh, support them by buying some succulents or just a, just a love offering of any kind, uh, be prepared to do that next week if you, if you would. Um, also, uh, another announcement is we, we will be having a memorial service for Doris Christensen that is going to be on August the 6th at 2 o'clock in the afternoon, and uh, we could certainly use some help. So if you would like to participate, if you're going to be here anyway, um, to celebrate Doris's life, and what a life well lived, amen? A life well lived. Um, if you would like to help, see Pastor Tyler uh, in the back. He, he, can, uh, he can plug you in. There's plenty to do um, when we have a memorial service, and it's, a, it's just a great way to serve. Amen? Uh, and, then, uh, and then lastly, uh, it is not too late. It is not too late. <laughs> if you're a believer and you have not been baptized, we will be having a baptism outside at this place on the 7th. That's... Two weeks from now? That's two weeks from now. So you can see, uh, again, you can see Pastor Tyler, you can see Richie, you can see any of the, any of the elders. Uh, if you would like to get baptized, which you would certainly like to get baptized. Amen? 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 amen. Boy, you guys are quiet today. Amen? amen? Okay, amen. So if you're a believer and you haven't been baptized, get baptized because it is not only a command, but it is a declaration of your faith in Christ and how excited you are to be a follower of Jesus. Amen? amen. So we're going to do that on the 7th after church. We're going to have a baptism right out here. It's going to be great because it's going to be in the blow-up hot tub. I love those baptisms in the blow-up hot tub. And the water may or may not be warm. Ooh, just so you know. That's it. Richie? Thank you, Bill. Uh, a couple more announcements before we continue with worship. Um, a few weeks ago, I got an email from Pastor Ron Triggs over at Redemption Ojai, and he invited myself and Pastor Gavin from First Baptist uh, to participate in uh, what they call their Summer of Discipleship. It's coming this coming Wednesday. It's a panel sharing discussion, and the topic is going to be church unity. So if you'd like to join us, it's a wonderful opportunity uh, over at Redemption Ojai, uh, 6.30 p.m., and you guys are more than welcome to come and, and hear Pastor Ron and myself and Pastor Gavin speak about church unity. And uh, finally, before we uh, continue in worship, I do want to share this because I'm aware, you know, that COVID is making the rounds again. And I just want to repeat what, you know, kind of has been our position for the last two years. Uh, and it's really a position of love and honor and respect. Amen. Right. We have we have done our best as elders and as pastors to navigate the, the last two years. And, you know, it comes in waves. And in fact, I know that there's some of you at home that would love to be here, uh, but you're in quarantine or you're in recovery right now. So good morning to all of you. And so I just want to repeat uh, kind of where we come from. Our heart is to love one another, respect one another. We know there's varying opinions out there in the culture and even within the church. Uh, if you want to wear a mask when you're here, wonderful, right? Uh, if you're not feeling well, we ask you to please stay home out of love and concern and respect for those around you. 
And uh, we're just going to continue navigating this together. But I, I really want it, uh, you know, every once in a while when the waves come through, it's important to just kind of keep us united around what's important. And what's important is loving God and loving each other. Amen.